Welcome to The Way Church. We're glad you're joining us for today's message. For sermon notes, service times, and more information, check us out online at thewaychurchva.com. Now let's join Pastor Matt Rothy with this week's message. Our gospel lesson this morning is going to serve as the basis for our sermon. Gospel lesson is from Luke chapter 13, and we stay standing to give respect to the words and the works of our Savior. At that time, some Pharisees came to Jesus and said to him, leave this place and go somewhere else. Herod wants to kill you. He replied, Go tell that fox, I will keep on driving out demons and healing people today and tomorrow. And on the third day, I will reach my goal. In any case, I must press on today and tomorrow and the next day. For surely, no prophet can die outside of Jerusalem. Jerusalem, Jerusalem. You who kill the prophets and stone those sent to you, how often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, and you were not willing. Look, your house is left to you desolate. I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise be to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Shortcuts are as American as apple pie. That's right, shortcuts. Think about it. Geographically, you all know the shortest distance between point A and point B is a straight line. Unless, of course, there's traffic on 95, but then you take out all of the different traffic apps that you have just to find a shortcut around it, right? Geographically, but also professionally, what do we say? We say, it is good to work smarter, not harder. In other words, we're always thinking about a model, a mode of of working that, that we can find to decrease time, but at the same time, increase output, productivity, Find those shortcuts. We say it also from a physical standpoint. Did you know that in America, 35 billion, yes, billion dollars are spent on vitamins and supplements every year because there's widespread belief that, uh, that those things offer a very tantalizing shortcut to optimal health. Well, it's not just life hacks. It's money hacks, it's friendship hacks, it's beauty hacks, it's time hacks. And there is a book called All in Marriage by the author Eli Campbell. And in that book, he lays out this idea that, you know what? There's no shortcuts, that you know, couples have to, have to really, really give more time and more effort to have healthy marriages. But then you know what he does at the end? He offers six Love hacks, if you just don't have the time. They're everywhere. But can I tell you my favorite shortcut, my favorite hack? What'll happen on Sunday, like I do every Sunday, is when we leave here, I get in my car, and I will call my wife to see if they are anywhere for lunch or if I need to pick anything up from the grocery store on the way home for lunch. 
And in the past, what would happen, for example, is my wife would say, yeah, why don't you stop at the grocery store and get a gallon of milk? So I would, I'd drive in, get out of my car, go in, walk around, get the gallon of milk. But did you know that now, while we're still on the phone, my wife can press a button on her phone. I can drive to the grocery store, pull in, press a button on my phone, and get this. They will bring the milk out to you. People, I'm telling you, there's this thing called curbside pickup, and it is the most life-changing shortcut. Shortcuts are everywhere, and for good reason, right? Because they, they seem to make our life easier, better, more enjoyable. But what happens when our proclivity for shortcuts, our deep desire to decrease anything that's a problem or a pain or a nuisance and, and increase everything that's pleasurable and good in all aspects of our life? What happens when our, our desire for shortcuts seeps into our spiritual life? What happens if we do take a, a shortcut on our spiritual journey, if you will? What happens if you even look for a spiritual shortcut? What does that look like? And, and what would happen if you did take a shortcut on your walk with Christ? That's what we're looking at in our gospel lesson for today. And as we look into it, what, what we're going to do is, is unpack it verse by verse and look at three different things. Here's the outline. We're going to look at the temptation of shortcuts. We're going to look at the determination of Jesus. And ultimately, we're going to look at the protection of crosswalks, the temptation of shortcuts, the determination of Jesus, and the protection of shortcut or crosswalks. And, and here's my prayer as we do, that the Holy Spirit opens your eyes and mine to see just how dangerous taking shortcuts is. But not just that, I, I hope we see the determinant of Jesus and, and not just be amazed at it, but to see what it does for us, for you and for me who are so apt to take shortcuts. And ultimately, I, I want to spend time trying to make concrete the idea of, of what Christ's cross and what, what we're calling in this sermon crosswalks, but our lives of taking up our cross, what that looks like and, and how the protection Christ gives you is such a blessing. So let's start right in it at the very top. This is Luke chapter 13. We read it before. Verse 31 says, at that time, some Pharisees came to Jesus and said to him, leave this place and go somewhere else. Herod wants to kill you. He replied, go tell that fox, I will keep on driving out demons and healing people today and tomorrow, and on the third day, I will reach my goal. Here we see Jesus' spiritual enemies, Herod, the Pharisees, and what else do they tempt Jesus with other than a shortcut, a shortcut to forego death, a shortcut where they can have good, where he can have good and glory without what he knows lies ahead. I mean, you have to. You have to step back and put yourself in Jesus' position just for a moment. Imagine being Jesus and hearing this. You know Herod has just cut off the head of your cousin, John the Baptist. And so the Pharisees, who have not been friendly towards you, come to you, and you don't know if, if, this, is, if this is real, or we don't know. Jesus did. We didn't 
don't know if, if really Herod had a bounty on Jesus' head or, or maybe they were just making this up or maybe this was a case of the enemy of, or the friend, the enemy of my friend. Let me get this right. The enemy of my enemy is my enemy. There we go. You get the idea with it. If it's a case of Herod and Pharisees who, who didn't get along, looking at Jesus and saying, all right, this is a way to team up against him. What we don't know is that, but what we do know is what Jesus had before him. He, he did not have death at Herod's hands at, at his time. He had death, death for the sins of the whole world before him, and it was laid out for him. This, this was the will of his father. And so they come to him with this way out. Just go somewhere else. Just leave Jerusalem, leave this area, and you can avoid all of it. You see the point? Temptations, they come from all over the place in our lives. They come even from friends, not, not to mention enemies. But temptations come, and, and when they do, they all offer the same thing. It's a shortcut. It's a shortcut to good and glory that you can have and experience now that comes outside of the good and the glory that Christ gives. Compare it to this. In Mark chapter 8, Jesus is speaking to his disciples, and he says to them, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever wants to lose their life for me and for the gospel will save it. Could there be anything more paradoxical? Could there be anything more counterintuitive to the way people think? But this is what was laid out for Jesus. And, and this is the temptation that's, that's laid out for so many of his followers, all of his followers. It's cross-bearing compared to shortcuts. It's, it's a theology of glory, having glory here and now compared to a theology of the cross that is having glory only through Christ's cross. It's self-gratification versus self-denial. What Jesus said is the essence of Christianity, which is the essence of being his follower. It's, it's taking up your cross versus enjoying pleasure. It's following self versus following Christ. It's doing everything we can to avoid pain here in this world and not necessarily enjoying it, but embracing suffering for what it is. It is that which achieves eternal glory for you and, well, just receiving temporary glory. You think about the way this works and why this is so hard for us to hear. There couldn't be anything more the opposite of the way we think, the way human nature is, and the way culture is. Human nature, we want immediate gratification. We want, we want good things here and now. No one likes being in pain. No one likes suffering, of course. And so whenever we see an opportunity to avoid pain, to, to think that something's wrong or, or do everything we can to avoid it, we will. By nature, we're selfish. We don't want to deny ourselves. And, and that is what our culture feeds into. It's this idea that, well, deny yourself nothing, that you do you, you can have it all, versus Christ who says, no, 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 deny yourself 
everything, and in me I will give you everything. So here's the question. If, if this is what a shortcut looks like, and this is what a crosswalk, namely taking up your cross and being Christ's disciple looks like, ask yourself, where are shortcuts presenting themselves in my life? Where, where are shortcuts tempting me in my life? For some, maybe it's the idea that it is my right to be happy. Instead of taking up your cross and just considering the question of, of who gave you that right and, and who gives something even greater than, than happiness, who gives joy eternal when we, when we don't serve ourselves, but we, we literally follow him, we, we listen to him. I don't know, maybe, maybe the temptation for shortcuts in, in your life is to be different, to be unique, to be, to be your own independent person. And instead, you see a cross, you see Christ calling you, and, and when he calls you, he, he calls you to be a part of the body of Christ, to not, to not serve yourself and your needs, but to, to use all the unique gifts that you have, yes, you are special, but to use them to, to build up others, to build up the body of Christ. Maybe your shortcut, the way that the devil and the world appeals to your sinful nature isn't, isn't through being unique, but it's, it's through fitting in, not being weird. And so you take that shortcut instead of taking up your cross and, and recognizing or giving honor and glory to the one who said, those who acknowledge me before people, I will acknowledge them before my Father in heaven. I don't know, maybe the shortcut in life is, is looking at Christianity and thinking, nah, 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 nah. I want a life that is much more exciting. I don't want to do all that boring routine stuff. When instead, you have a call from Christ to deny yourself, take up your cross and follow him. Yes, follow him even in the unhurried, routine things of life. Regular worship, daily prayer and meditation on God's word. First fruits giving, slowing down enough to talk about important things in life, eternal things in life. You look at what it means to have a cross before you and Christ's call to pick it up and, and what it looks to have a shortcut put before you. And perhaps the one word that can summarize all of these things is priorities. You look at enjoying pleasure. There's nothing wrong with enjoying pleasure. After all, who invented pleasure? Your God did. And yet ask yourself, is there a shortcut presenting itself to you where you're not just enjoying pleasure, but you're doing so while you're forsaking, carrying up, taking up the cross that Christ himself has given you, the call to follow him, to listen him. I'm not, I'm not preaching a sermon about how we should all be masochists and enjoy pain and suffering. That's not what this is saying. But are you avoiding pain and suffering, which scripture tells us is really just light and momentary trouble, which is achieving for us just this, eternal glory, eternal glory that what? Far outweighs 
all of the other things that are painful and problematic, a glory that that outweighs the cross. At the end of this, we can say this about, about shortcuts and about crosswalks, carrying our cross and taking the shortcut. Shortcuts are designed to do just one thing, give you glory, give you pleasure, give you good, give it all to you now, gratify yourself, but in doing so, they cut you off from Christ. Compare that to the purpose of cross. All crosses have one purpose, and that is to draw you closer to your Savior and his cross. Jesus said at the end of his dialogue with these Pharisees, he said, look, you who are taking spiritual shortcuts, look, your house is left to you desolate. That means alone. That means isolated. That means cut off. That is the result of taking a shortcut. You end up cut off from Christ. And so if you're following along in the sermon notes today, that's the first fill in the blank. The temptations of shortcuts, it's this. It is to tease the pleasure of life just temporarily. But what it ends up doing is cutting off all of the good, all of the glory, all of the hope, all of the promise that that Christ gives you eternally. And now you're beginning to understand Jesus' reaction. Now perhaps you're beginning to understand why Jesus responded with the visceral way that he did. He said, go tell that fox, go tell Herod, I will keep on driving out demons, healing people today and tomorrow. And on the third day, I will reach my goal. Look, when when Jesus is calling Herod a fox, he's not complimenting him. He is not calling him a beautiful, majestic creature. No, in Jesus' day and in many cultures still, foxes are stinky, conniving, sneaky, bad rodents. That is what Jesus is referring to. And he's not just calling names by any stretch of the imagination. No, he's being real about what Herod and what his spiritual enemies are doing. They're trying to trick him. They are trying to lead him down the path of a shortcut and away from the path that leads to his cross and ultimately to his glorification and yours. And that's what shortcuts do. But you do know that it's a really good thing that God has goals. <laughs> God has goals, and he's really, really determined to make those goals. This is what he said. He said, go tell that fox, I will keep on driving out demons and healing people today and tomorrow and on the third day. I will reach my goal. In any case, I must press on today and tomorrow and the next day, for surely no prophet can die outside of Jerusalem. Look, it is an extraordinary thing to behold in scripture. It's inspiring, right? The determination of Christ. What does he say? Skip ahead. He says, I will keep on. I will reach my goal. I must press on. Here is a man who knew his mission and would not stop at anything. He was determined to day after day after day press on towards it. But you want to know what's even more remarkable than Jesus' determination? 
is what inspired it. It's, it's really what the source of his determination was. It's you. His passion comes from compassion. His determination is, is focused on your salvation. What is his goal? It is you. It is to day after day after day go about the work he has of releasing captives. He said, no, no, you go tell that fox, I'm not just going to get out of Dodge, but today and tomorrow and the next day, I will go about my work and always be about my work of healing people with the forgiveness of sins. I will not stop today or tomorrow or the next day going about my work of releasing you from any shame and any guilt that you have from any shortcuts you've ever taken in the past and, and crush the need of shortcuts because I will keep going today and tomorrow and until the third day, the third day when after I die on a cross, be buried in a tomb, I rise again this time for the ultimate liberation, the ultimate healing of all God's people, of all people. This is what we see here. This is the determination of Jesus, and it is based on your salvation. It is because of your salvation that Jesus is as determined as he is. One of my favorite lines from the hymn, In Christ Alone, is a line that goes like this. When faced with trials on every side, we know the outcome is secure. And we're not going to get into the application of this sermon yet, but just think about that that because of Christ's determination, it's already determined how the outcome is for you and I. But the next line is what I want to draw your attention to. It says, when faced with trials on every side, we know the outcome is secure, and Christ will have the prize for which he died, an inheritance of nations. The prize is you. The goal is you. Jesus, you can picture as a determined prize fighter, someone who works and works and works and fights and fights and fights today and tomorrow and the next day for you so that you have the prize. You have an inheritance of heaven. You have eternal glory with him. But it came at a cost. Jesus said, for surely no prophet can die outside of Jerusalem. He came to free us from sin. He came to heal us from all shame and guilt. But you know, it was not without a cost. It had to be this way. There are no shortcuts to eternal life. The son of God and the son of man had to have his life cut short in order for you and I to have the blessings and the glory that is his. But it helps us understand his cross. It helps us understand our crosses, really. I said already that, that no crosses are without purpose. The purpose is to draw us closer to Christ. And if that's true for my cross and yours, how much more so for Christ? His cross, his death, it had a purpose. It was to pardon you for your sins. It was to give you peace between you and God. And it was to give you protection 
forever and for always as you bear crosses and continue following him in this life. Listen, Jesus says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets, how often I longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings and you were not willing. Look, your house is left to you desolate. I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. You can just hear the, the passion, the longing, the yearning of your savior. He desires to gather us together and spread his protective arms, his strong arms over us. And can I tell you why that is such good news for us? We've made the point already that this idea that, that we pick up our cross and deny ourselves, it is, it is completely counterintuitive. It is completely the opposite of our nature and our culture. But he, here's the funny thing. We look for shortcuts even in crosswalks. We look for shortcuts even in our life of, of cross-bearing. I mean, think about it. How often don't we do this? We come to church and we think, oof, oof, that sermon, God's word today, convict me. That's right, suffering, pain. I know it. It's a part of my walk. Then we think, well, Jesus, he strengthens me for this. And wait, why am I not more strong? We're quick to quote 2 Corinthians that 1210 that talks about when I am weak, then I am strong. And we think, well, surely after I've gone through a weak thing, Christ will make me really, really strong. After all, isn't this how like resistance training works? You tear down the muscle a little bit only to get really, really strong. We think, okay, I'll go through this, God. You've put this cross in my path. I'll pick it up. See, I can do it. And then we go, okay, now's enough. Now's enough, God. See, our theology it is accepting of the idea that we maybe have pain or maybe have problems or maybe have crosses because of Christ for a short time, but perpetually? No. Surely these can't last forever on earth, right? And so we look for shortcuts even out of our cross-bearing. I referenced 2 Corinthians 12 before. Paul is not talking about this as a one-time thing. Here, Jesus is not talking about just redeeming us or buying us back and dying for us just so we can, you know, show him we can pick up a cross, put it down, and then carry on. No, he says, take it up. Pick it up and, and carry it continually following me. And that's why the picture with a mother hen and her chickens, it, it's so fitting. It's not just a one-time thing. Christ Jesus did not just redeem you so that you can rest in the hammock of Christian existence and kick up your feet the rest of your life. No, he, he redeemed you in order to protect you for all of the trials and temptations and, and cross-bearing that necessarily comes with being a Christian. He said, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those sent to you, I have longed to gather you, your children together as a hen gathers her chickens under her wings and you are not willing. Look, your house is left to you desolate. He's talking about, he's talking to the shortcut takers there, but then he changes. He says, I tell you, talking to his people, I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Look, 
Christ longs to gather you together. And what he wants you to know is that under his wings, there is goodness, there is protection, and there is blessings for those who know that now and long for the day where they get to see him coming again. If you're filling in the blanks, this is, this is our third one, that the protection of crosswalk simply means this, that your walk under your cross is under Christ's wings all the days of your life, that, that the cross is your protection. That is, the hymn says, the cross gives cooling shade when the noonday sun is blowing. That the cross is the thing that guards and keeps us as we carry our cross throughout our life. Look, I've, I've been talking about crosswalks for a while instead of just saying cross-bearing because I wanted to share this illustration. Ho- hopefully it helps. You come to an intersection in the road, right? And you can imagine those white lines painted uh, from one street to another, but, but you want to get across the adjacent corner, the kitty, kitty corner corner. You want to be there. I don't know, maybe as a kid or maybe still as an adult, you're tempted, right? It's quicker to, of course, just walk straight across. I couldn't help this week but thinking about my crossing guard growing up and how many times she stopped kids from doing just that on the way to school. And even though it's sometimes longer, even though it sometimes requires more patience, you have to do it. You have to walk through the crosswalks. You have to walk one way and then another. It kind of illustrates maybe the way we, we feel about this idea. Of course, it would be quicker. Of course, it would be, be easier to just jet across, but it would leave you alone and opened to oncoming traffic. Desolate. Crosswalks, on the other hand, provide the protection of Christ and his cross as we move throughout life. So what can I do to maybe extend this illustration a little bit further? Well, what do we tell kids and maybe still tell ourselves whenever we do cross the street? Stop, look, and listen. So stop. Stop the shortcuts. Stop and and look at your life and examine it and ask, where are shortcuts presenting themselves to you and and where are you taking them? Stop and, as as one friend pointed out to me, realize it's, it's not just that, oh yeah, sure, by grace I'm saved, by faith I'm saved, and then it's sola bootstraps and now I have to carry my cross and do it all myself. No, 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 stop that thinking. Instead, look, look and see whose wings are spread over you. Don't just look and see Christ as an example of determination and and what that can do for you, but look and see that his determination, it means that your end is determined. The fact that he already went through this and bore the cross means you can do it, and the crown that he received for his cross-bearing It's yours. Look and see that he is the one in whose footsteps you follow. Look and see that he is the one whenever the way gets tough, whenever there's glass in the road or the cross is too heavy, he is the one right there picking you up and giving you everything you need to carry your cross as well. Look and see that and then listen. Listen to what he tells you. Today, tomorrow, and the next day, I'll be there. Today, tomorrow, and the next day, 
I will not stop being with you and being your mother hen, providing the protection that you need. Today, tomorrow, and the next day, I will not stop forgiving you for all of the shortcuts that you have taken in your life. Today, tomorrow, and the next day, take heart. In this world, you're gonna have problems. You're gonna have crosses, but I have overcome the world. Take heart today, tomorrow, and the next day that you are my prize and I have you as my inheritance and heaven and all good in me. Listen, I give you as yours. May God grant this for Jesus' sake. Amen.